0: Twenty-two verse 3 says God is enthroned on the praises of his people so when we come together and we praise and worship God has promised to be in our midst so our job as worship leaders is to help create that atmosphere and facilitate a conversation between a living God and his people between God and man and that's what's going to change a life not not getting through your seventh or eighth song Um, so yeah just uh, lay for those moments if something happens on song number two uh, by all means uh, camp out there you know between songs I'm always listening to the Holy Spirit I'm uh, I say to people sometimes the most important thing in your song list is what happens between the songs you're trying to listen is the Holy Spirit saying this is the Holy Spirit doing this Uh, leading worship is like following a river you know a river goes sometimes goes a little faster it'll go to the right it'll go to the left and our job is to just float with the river don't get ahead and don't get behind And our uh, like I say our song lists it's important to have them to be rehearsed and be prepared but when the Holy Spirit moves on song number two hey I I would say the most important thing you can do is camp out on song number two because the people won't remember song three, four, five, six, seven, and eight if they miss that moment on song number two. So when that moment happens, go with it and follow the Holy Spirit. And if you've got a question you'd like to ask me, go to donmoen.com forward slash ask Don, and I will give it my best shot. God bless. Make it a great day.
1: I just want to be where you are Dwelling daily in your presence I don't want to worship from afar Draw me near to where you are And I just want to be where Just want to be with you. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, and surrounded by your just want to be, I just want to be with you, and I just want to be where you are, to really I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever take me to the place where you are because i just want to be i just want to be with you make it your prayer Just want to be. I just want to be with you.
2: Welcome to our eschatology series. If you've been following us, you know that we're working to unfold the power of ancient prophecies. The 2021 Revelation series is sponsored by XL Church and also IOM America. Our 2021 Revelation series not only focuses on the unfolding of the power of prophecy, but it is... The Study of the End Times. Before we move on, I want to remind you that in due time, there's going to be a two-volume set coming out called Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. It will be a verse-by-verse commentary that covers most and more of the details that we are talking about within our Revelation series. Today's message is number 51 within our series, and it's called the Emergent Beast. The term emergent is curious to many believers today. In fact, it's probably been overused to the point that it really has no point when believers hear it stated. Emergent means merging different beliefs into one particular cup. When we talk about the emergent beast, that is exactly what we're talking about. His profound and supernatural ability to blend all kinds of beliefs within all kinds of religions into one simple cup. Before we get into the details of those, let's take a look at our scripture for today. We're going to be reading out of Revelation chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. And it says, He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Let's take a look at that emergent false prophet. All the given signs the emergent prophet of this newly established feel-good religion will have significant power and authority from Satan himself. His purpose will be instigating a war with the true indwelt Christians, preaching, writing against them, excommunicating them from his new mainstream media and religion. Those who resist him will be overcome, silenced, and delivered over to the guards of the Antichrist. For a short period of time, they simply are overcome, no matter how many protest signs go up or methods of madness that are used to try to block the left-wing antichrist from infiltrating mainstream beliefs. The type of tour planned for them is too dreadful to imagine. This global religion will accept all forms of religious beliefs and personal lifestyles that those who dogmatically stand against the new kind of leadership will simply have to pay severely. This beast will be the ministering spirit to and for the Antichrist. His goal will be to unite all the world's religions, including Judaism, into the hands of Satan, of course, who will be seated on the throne of the Holy of Holies within the newly constructed temple, the Third Temple, in Jerusalem. The intent is all these religions will fall at Satan's feet and worship him. At least that's his goal. Therefore, this false prophet will need to be the most comfortable, logical, workable, and deceptive spiritual leader of all time. He will make our feel-good emerging Christian leaders of today look like child's play. How is it that such a leader can dupe the entire world's religions and their infamous leaders? Every person that is not possessed by the Holy Spirit, which is authentic salvation, is of a depraved and darkened mind. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 3 through 6, Quote, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he who has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, Abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and the depraved of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means to gain, but godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. There's an enormous amount of truth packed into these few verses. It takes a dark mind in order to make a big deal about the controversial questions that are in our culture today. As indwell believers we simply need to point them out and address them accordingly. So let's talk about those darkened minds. Darkened minds follow dark doctrines. That's the facts. This pluralistic religious leader will deceive every person, institution, and religion that does not follow our Lord Jesus Christ in his sound words. The reality during this time will be that our smart or educated leaders of the world will become stupid shepherds, hanging on to their depraved minds and thus becoming depraved of the real truth. Jeremiah 10.21 tells us this, For the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. That pretty much describes what's going on today. The final and probably the most successful Satan venture will be The uniting of the flocks the Lord scattered during the time of the Tower of Babel. Meaning all those of different languages who form different countries will be brought back together under his deceptive rule. God destroyed everything that Satan tried to do with the power of Babel as the Holy Bible reveals. But this time... God will grant Satan temporary authority to complete the ultimate goal he had and has for Babylon. One language, one culture, one religion, and certainly one government. It is all for the sake of persuading the people of the world to worship the first beast, to be subject to the temporal power of Satan. To submit to the Antichrist as a temporal Lord. To give open respect and tribute to Him. To support His worldly power. And to give Him the sense of feeling that He is the Great I Am. Remember when Satan, then named Lucifer, or Angel of Light, tried to be like God. Satan has an excellent memory. Like most darkened, intellectual, depraved minds, he is so smart, he is stupid. Jeremiah 10.8 says, But they are altogether stupid and foolish in their discipline of delusion. That clearly describes Satan and all of his followers. Well, let's take a look then at why the darkened mind is stupid. Satan does stupid things because he is stupid. Jeremiah just pointed that out to us. His self-discipline of wanting to take the throne of God is a result of delusional thinking. Because of this, he will continue the same simple path of trying to be like God to the very end of man's existence. The reality is he never really gets God's point. The truth is, as he descends into the pit of hell, he will be shouting out profanities against God and accusing the Bible, the bride of Christ, and all that is righteous until the heat of his consequences suck him dry of his last word. This will most likely be Satan's greatest eternal torture. Get this always learning, but never able to come to the full knowledge of truth. Yes, that is a Bible passage. Well, before we deal with Satan's ultimate consequences, let's take a snapshot view of his final days on earth. In looking at those final days, the beast is no ordinary leader. He will have much authority and perform great signs and wonders and miracles. Command lightning to come down from heaven. Humans don't often think of Satan having power over the elements. But God grants him these powers for a short period of time. Scripture backs such mimicked signs and wonders of Jesus according to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 8 and 9, remember back when he was attacking Job's family? Well, Job chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 shows us. It says, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. This is more evidence of God granting Satan temporary power to command the winds and other things. We call this divine permissiveness. Let's take a look at it. It is critical to remember that all Satan can or will do is under God's divine permissiveness. Like in the days of Job, Satan could not do one ounce of harm to Job, his family, or his possessions without first being authorized by God. Well, with that being said, this particular beast gains global attention through the extraordinary works that come from him claiming himself as God. There are three primary elements of massed victory that he uses to gain power. First, by healing the wound of the Antichrist, the first beast. Secondly, through all the signs and wonders available to him, and then finally, through his ability to unite the entire world except those who refuse to deny the truth. And if you've been following our series, you know that's the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. He will work closely with the political leader. He will demonstrate to the people that religion and politics are one and always have been. As we see it today, our world has been Fooled into the vain deception of separation of church and state, this will not be the case in these final days. By this point in time, people will be re-educated to the original trinity, king, religion, and government. I'll say that again, king, religion, and government. The triune of an effective government. Satan slides himself into the king slot while using world religion to form a worship system and governs his worshipers through what prophecy calls one world government. We often complicate these simple truths of monarchy, but God himself designed the system for his own kingdom. We need to take a few moments to talk about the pluralistic beast. Earlier I discussed this beast being pluralistic in style and nature. If that is the case, why would Satan switch the entire system to be one of singularity? Deception requires getting one's followers to wander. Deceive derives from the Greek word pleno. And that means to wander like the appearance of a planet. The method of pluralism, a condition in which numerous distinct ethnic, religious, and cultural groups are accepted as part of the whole, is a clever way to manipulate people into thinking. They have a democratic right to think and worship as they wish. Self-rule has always been the most successful tool of monarchy, but only if used judiciously. Monarchy dictatorship, in Satan's case, is only effective if people are wandering and need an absolute leader. Take a look at God's method of monarchy in the wilderness with Moses and Aaron. The 40 years of wandering were needed for the people to become desperate for God, the God. This method of breaking the people is as old as humanity itself. Satan is simply replicating what works. He, Satan, is not original, nor does he have the ability to develop anything new. He is the ultimate magician, and his hand is quicker than the eye, Pluralism, or emergence, is the oldest and most effective pathway to the top of Satan's mountain. Everyone feels free and independent until they reach the top. And then, there is only room for one king of the mountain. We know who that is. Revelation thirteen fifteen through 18 it says, And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the freemen and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or their forehead. He provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of man, and his number is 666. Well, one of the first things that Hitler did once he was in power was mark the Jews. He first did this through a patch, and once the Jews were imprisoned by way of the numeric tattoos is when all hell began to break loose. Secondly, he denied them the right to buy-sell anything without his local Reich's permission, Historians were later able to look back upon the practice and conclude that it was ineffective at best. In the next attempt at global management, Satan will use the opposite approach. He will mark the free men with a numeric mark. This way, he will monitor all the followers' behavior through a Big Brother type of system, most likely through technology. So Satan's reversal literally invites the people into his system in a pleasurable fashion. All religions know that the conversion ratio is much higher when some kind of love is used to invite the person in. To deny the sacred ideologies of love, no conversions are going to take place. Satan himself knows this. He's tried many attempts through different historical leaders, brutal leaders, I might add, found them ineffective, and failed, of course. And this is why I believe in his final push to be worshipped in the end will be done through an emergent false prophet. Let's review marking the slaves. You know, it says in Galatians 6:17. From now on let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Then we find in Revelation chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bond servants of our God on their foreheads. Many Christians and even non Christians give Satan credit for the idea of marking the body for service. The mark of the beast issue has taken the front page of the news for generations. The truth of the matter is God produced the idea before the earth was even formed. Paul spoke of it to the Galatian church. And John was asked to write down what he saw regarding God marking the 144,000. The original idea of marking was singular in nature. It was an outward symbol of voluntary slavery, being a bond service. Bond slaves willingly from their hearts enslaved themselves to their master, thus worshipping their master. Satan wanted in on this action, therefore he began using this body marking system on those he placed into forced slavery and volunteer service. Since the early years of Satan's purpose for marking the body, cults and countries have been using this method to secure ownership proof. Well, a critical note here is that tattoos and brands are signs and seals of worship. Yes, you heard that correct. Anytime you see anyone with a tattoo, whatever is tattooed is what they worship. According to the Hebrew law, an individual is required to worship the image branded This particular critical note is important before we can fully appreciate the revolutionary truth of the passage we are studying. For example, the issue of the right hand. The right hand in pictorial Hebrew, when used figuratively, represents the, quote, physical power of the person of whom it is spoken. When applied to God, it designates a single manifestation of divine power against his enemies and in behalf of his people. For Satan to mark the right hand, it leads us to translate this out as, quote, taking ownership of the power of the people and making use of their strength to fight the battle against the divine. Read more about that in Psalm 17:7, 7, chapter 20, verse 6. and again in chapter 45, verses 3 and 4. Therefore, having the mark on in the right hand must mean all of those poor deceived souls receiving it will devote their powers, intelligence, occupations, and resources to propagate satanic worship. It will also lead to the removal of all teachings or teachers sustained within places of worship that do not line up with the beast's mark, image. Now that's sobering. Sobering as it is, we see the signs of this satanic imagery all around us. I've been asked more than once why the marking of the head, I hate to sound too elementary here, but Not everyone has a right hand, particularly when removing the right hand is an act of punishment used to this very day, primarily by the Muslim people. Jesus himself even used the illustration in Matthew 5, verse 30, If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body Then for your whole body to go to hell. Keep in mind that Jesus was not encouraging this practice. He was citing the cultural practices of conventional Hebrews. This is why some receive the mark on their foreheads. Another cultural reason is anything being impressed upon the forehead displays the public acknowledgement of whatever is inscribed or marked upon is their statement of worship. More about that in Revelation chapter 9, verse 4, chapter 14, verse 1, and of course in 22, verse 4. Note that the mark of the beast being received on the forehead means that all those marked make a public confession and profession of their service and worship to Satan. I believe all those marked on in their right hands will also be marked on their foreheads. This aids in the collective meaning of the right hand, power, and the forehead, public profession, endeavors to propagate Satan's religious and political system. Remember, this is not an optional request, but will be required by the Antichrist. Remembering our passage when he said, And he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the freemen and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or their forehead. Therefore it is conclusive that this mark receiving denotes the final act of loyalty, servitude, and devotion to Satan's kingdom and personhood and to the subjection to his authority, as a slave to his master. Scripture further describes this mark. It images Satan's irrelevant name in his name's numeric code by showing us. Thanks to modern research, many Christians know a little about the numeric coding of the Hebrew language. God is numeric in his form and communication. Numbers don't lie unless you force them. The number seven is classified as the perfect number, the number of God. Six is one less, the number of man, falling short of the mark. Even though it's impossible to understand God's numeric coding without the Holy Spirit's indwelling, Satan does not have a numeric name. Only man does. The marking that Satan uses in the end, is the markings or coding of the number of man. God allows the marking of the beast on man's body to conclude God's final warnings to man by turning the man over to the desires of his flesh. The number of man was all a part of God's original plan, man being created on the sixth day, slaves being freed on the seventh year, According to Exodus 21, 2. And farmers being required to rest their fields at the end of the sixth year. That's out of Leviticus 25, 3. The number six is repeated three times because it unfolds the trinity of man's creation body, soul, and spirit. Dichotomy man in two parts. Body and soul can be preached all day long. But after understanding the pictorial Hebrew numeric coding, one will become a trichotomist for eternity. In conclusion, we need to talk about God of the seven. Since God is the God of the seven, the number of completion and a thousand earthly years is one day to the Lord. You can find that in Psalms 90, verse 4. It is safe to say that the beast is right around the corner. No one knows the exact date, but those who have understanding calculating the number of the beast know that according to the Hebrew calendar, he, Satan, is nipping at our heels, as it states in Genesis 3.15. How could Daniel spend a night in the den with hungry man-eating lions and come out the next morning unharmed and unshaken? But when he saw the face of the Antichrist in his vision, he fainted. Daniel 8.27 says, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days after I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision but none understood it. The Antichrist is not a cartoon figure found in a horror movie. He is to be feared only with the on respect of God. We are not to have the kind of fear that paralyzes us and blocks us from getting up and going about the king's business. Satan is an ugly, fierce force of terror that would cause any of us to faint without the embrace of Jesus, our beloved and eternal husband. Dear, true, indwell believer that is listening, stand strong in the Lord. Remember Goliath, when he opposed God's people and the symbol of the Antichrist of that day. He might have been six cubits high and had tons of armor on, but in the end, he fell to the ground like a big rock. So stay encouraged, and as eschatology unfolds in your daily world, know that the Sovereign God is the one in charge. Our up-and-coming message is number 52. It's called The Lamb and Mount Zion. For a while, we're going to be putting the focus back on the positive, the positive of the Lion of Judah, And the Lamb of God. In Revelation 14 1 through 5, which will be our passage, we're going to talk about how important it is to be an Orthodox Jew, who truly is a bloodline Jew, and how Satan not only refutes this, but does everything within his power to destroy this group. As you might guess, he fails. We're also going to talk about how the Father himself wrote his name on their foreheads. So while Satan is requiring his followers to have his name on their foreheads, God is already accomplishing this on the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. More about that in our next message. Until next time.